and the mouse keep running, running, and 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 running, running, Everybody and welcome back to the Weird Science Marvel Comics podcast episode 260, 260. Here as I'm going to be joined by Clay and Brandon, we're going to go through three books. I'm going to be going through Amazing Spider-Man with Clay. I'm going to be talking about Planet of the Symbiotes number one with Brandon, and then I'm going to be doing The Immortal Hulk by myself but before we do go into that let me tell you where you can find us all over probably the cereal aisle at your local walmart i just hang out there so this brandon looking for that elusive lucky charms with all marshmallows that we'll talk about a little later uh but you could also go to twitter at ws marvel comics if you follow us we'll follow you back Go to our website, weirdsciencemarvelcomics.com. Go to our YouTube channel at Weird Science Comics. But also check out, if you would like, our Patreon channel, patreon.com slash weirdscience, where you can help us out with the podcast that we do here on the Marvel side of things. We also have a big DC Comics podcast where I think I'm going to put another show out With that, so I'll have two shows a week there. But if you go over to the Patreon, we have a ton of shows. Just before I recorded this, I ended up editing our Walking Dead Wednesday show, where me and my man Mark Jager go through The Walking Dead as it's being re-released in color, the deluxe version. So each time an issue comes out, we review that. We also have a manga show, if you're into that that I do with Luke Hollywood, where we go through a bunch of manga stuff this past week. We did Spy Family Mission 2 or Chapter 2, which I really enjoyed. And if you really want to hear me enjoy stuff, you go to the manga deal because I have been loving that. We also have a Patreon Marvel Comics Spotlight, a Marvel Comics Spotlight on the Patreon where it's just the two books that the badasses the Get Fresh crew beep boop end up talking we they pick we talk i don't know if this makes any sense but they pick two books for each of the weeks and we end up having an exclusive podcast talking about those me and brandon ended up doing this week's show and the badasses picked the two king and black books king and black gwenham versus carnage number one and king and black thunderbolts number one one of my favorite issues this week and if you want to hear us talk about that usually goes for about an hour for two books for that show go over to the patreon patreon.com slash weird science where you can dip your toe in and see how it is you won't get charged when you sign up you'll end up only being charged if you like what you hear and continue on to the following month this being february will be the month where if you quit before february 1st You'll never be charged. You can treat it as a free look, deal free trial and see what you like doing this. And I apologize for stumbling and bumbling and fumbling here, but I'm extremely tired because last night I spent most of my night trying to 
fix a water line in our house, the water line that goes to the toilet, also trying to replace a toilet, and then ending up having to desperation times solder a piece to the line going into the toilet. I'm not the best solderer there is, but I did the job, and it got done, but I didn't go to sleep. So right now, it's getting late, but not that late that I should be stumbling around like this. But we're going to go off now to an earlier time when I talked to Clay, and me and him talked about The Amazing Spider-Man number 57. All right, and I'm here with Clay. How you doing, Clay? I'm doing pretty good. All righty, and we're here to talk a little Spider-Man. That's the only book me and you will be talking about together this week. So we'll see what's going on. And I was hoping because of that, it'd be more of a hard-hitting issue. This issue was is a lot of setup. I like the emotions in it, though Peter is a little over-emotional, but we'll see how that plays out. But I do like him socking Norman right in the face, right in the kisser, right? He deserves it, that guy. But it is Amazing Spider-Man number 57. Last remains post-mortem part two. I still sh- I still didn't look to see how many post-mortem issues they are. Uh, it just feels weird, though. It's written by Nick Spencer, pencils by Mark Bagley. You end up having inks by John Dell, Andrew Hennessy, and Andy Owens. A lot of inkers. Colorist Rachel Rosenberg and Edgar Delgado. And letters VCs Joe Caramagna. Uh, using the Sin Eater, Kindred cleanse many villains of their sins, including Norman Osborn, the Green Goblin. The defeat of the Sin Eater returned these sins to the villains except the Goblin, which we still don't know why. You know, I, I guess that they're really pushing the idea that that is on the up and up. But with this new shot, uh, life, Norman revealed a secret. Kindred is actually Norman's son, Harry Osborn. Kind of did that earlier. Harry has been uh, tormenting his old pal Peter Parker's punishment for Peter's sins. While holding Peter captive, Kindred killed and revived Peter repeatedly. The torture stopped with the arrival of Norman, Mary Jane Watson, and Peter's spider friends, the Order of the Web. A fight ensued between Peter, Norman, and Kindred, ending with Kindred trapped in a dark force cage constructed by Kingpin. Norman wants to help his son, but Spider-Man isn't so sure. I would say he's, uh, you know, more than not sure. He wants no parts of Harry ever being taken out of that prison and no parts at all uh and you do end up seeing you know the whole deal as you go back you see kinder being taken out of the mausoleum and at one point i was a little teeny bit confused in the time frame only because we ended with peter going after norman in the lab saying you know you better explain yourself well we go back to the end of the battle and I know that when you're leaving a mausoleum with a dark force encapsulated kindred, you may be paying attention to other things, but the order of the web is standing on that mausoleum right behind <laughs> when they're going. I'm like, oh, aren't they paying attention here? I mean, all of them up there. It's one thing to have Peter up there, that the whole order is up there. It made me giggle, but this does go back to right as they take take norman out and peter wants to make sure that everybody's okay as mary jane comes back everybody goes to talk to peter and the the endings are the ending the beginning it's okay and you start to talk between i like the interactions between the characters i I don't, don't think me and you have ever had problems with the dialogue with nick spencer at all it's just the progression and how long things take and the teases and whatnot. And that, that does continue with all this coming out of the Kindred story. Uh, but you take it from here. 
uh, when, you know, Mary Jane comes and talks to Peter. Yeah, you know, she she comes to talk to him. And this is the first time he's able to actually, like, take off his mask. And she kind of sees how beat up he is. And she's like, oh, my gosh, what did he do? And, of course, he's a bit traumatized. He, like, died, I think, six or seven times and was and was brought back to life. But the Order of the Web kind of talks to him and is like, okay, so uh, what in the world was all that about? Like, we, we, we literally went through almost like a hell just to come back here, fight Sin Eater, and then – we were held captive by this by this crazy guy. Like, what in the world is going on? And he's like, uh, I don't know. Like, <laughs> and they're not going to take that. And, and what I like about Gwen, it, yeah. Gwen is just like, she's like, hey, like, no, like, no, I'm not going to take that for an answer. Like, we did all of this stuff, and you're just going to hit us with an I don't know. Shrug his shoulders and walk. And I, I yeah. like the thing, and you pointed it out. You, you, because everything's been so fast paced and you have all these reveals and all these things going on, especially centered on Harry and Norman, you, you don't necessarily really come and think the idea. And then when it hits you, the idea that Peter has been killed all those times, killed, brought back, killed, brought back, that's got to upset you a little. That's got to cause some issues. And we do see him being very, very pissed throughout this. But when he gets pretty much shade thrown at him by Gwen, especially. And I like the play. It's a weird play for me because we said the web, the order of the web hasn't done much. They've been kind of going always a step behind then to get captured by Kindred, kind of forced into this whole deal and then running for their lives again. I'd be pissed, too. I'd be like, what the hell happened? What is going on here? What are you trying to pull here with all this nonsense? You can't just shrug this off. And pretend everything is great. And so when they do want answers, we know the answers, but I sit and say they're they're right. They need some answers here. But that, again, it seems to also piss Peter off because he's not telling him stuff for a bunch of reasons. First off, I think that he's trying to figure things out himself fully. But to say, well, that was how you like. He doesn't want to get them involved anymore. He wants them outside of this. He does not want to get them in danger because it's true. Harry threw that in his face. You are selfish. All your sins always end up with people dead. It's not just my dad. It's not. It's you. And I think that this is him trying to say, hey, uh, you know, I don't know that I want to let them get involved. And they're pissed, but they decide, well, we'll see. You know, Madam Webb just says, we'll see. But you're going to have to answer to us eventually well then we go to where we left off left issue where peter wants answers he has busted through to norman and he is not nice at all he flips out and he is violent and again is this this idea of him killed you know killed brought back killed brought back or is it just that finally he snapped that everybody around him dies and he maybe doesn't want to blame himself because he is partly to blame but norman and Goblin and all this stuff, and and also bringing Mary Jane into it as this. I was going to say that that literally just hit me because I've been I've been debating like all this morning about why was Peter so angry because it feels like he is overly emotional in this state right now, but I can totally understand when from the eyes of Peter fighting Kindred, and then all of a sudden Mary Jane comes along, and then a who he would assume is a now, you know, once again, Green Goblin, Norman Osborn throws a bomb 
yeah, we all know that it was a trick. You know, even Mary Jane tells him, oh, this was all part of the plan. But there is some sense of danger in that. So he's probably mad that Norman got her involved, even though if he would he would if he would just have the conversation with Mary Jane, Mary Jane would probably say, oh, I wanted to get involved. I wanted to do this. Yeah. And and remember, when when Norman first went to Mary Jane and saved her from that wreck, that car wreck. The idea originally was, can you come and talk to Harry? Can you come and make some sense of this all and try to convince him? Because we knew then that Norman also had known that Harry was kindred. Well, now's the the opportunity to do this. And I understand that when Norman says, hey, let's get Mary Jane. You don't say her name ever again, all that. And he's emotional. Well, the, the worst part is is that probably could solve a lot of the problems here. If Mary Jane, Peter, and Norman went there and talked to Kindred, Harry, and told them their feelings and things like that. But remember, the whole thing is, Harry said, please look into this stuff. You will see the real truth. And we're kind of leaving that aside to see what goes on with that. But so this all, by the end, does seem to be continuing also Kindred's plan, all this stuff, because he starts smiling it up by the end. But the worst part is, is that Peter beats the crap out of Norman. He almost it looks like he's going to kill him. And then he pulls away, even says maybe Mike's spidey sense ended up, you know, stopping that. But also he is talking so much crap on Harry. Even I don't want him back. I hope he rots in hell in that thing. And never again. If I even hear little hints that you may be thinking of getting him out of that, I'm going to come and I'm going to take care of all of you. Well, this is all being heard by Harry. Harry's listening to this. Now, again, it's not as if you end up having Spider-Man and Norman best friends. But when Peter then says, again, right next to, to Kindred, you were never my father figure. You were my best friend's father. I, I hate your guts. And really, as a best friend, Harry sucked also. And so it's actually, in my mind, this is where you're getting this breaking apart of a lot of things with Peter. And maybe the idea of this all has been for Kindred Harry to kind of, you know, make Peter get driven nuts a bit and all that stuff. Now, by the end, we have a little twist that, you know, we're going to have to wait and see. But with this, I do like the... You know, I do like Peter being able to let loose. And he does say, you know, I'm sick of you, Norman. You know, you have the Sin Eater get your sins. I thought when I threw you out of that ship there that the Sin Eater would get you, you'd be fine. But really, this is your game. And it goes back to what we really liked about the one last LR issue, where on the way, Mary Jane says to Norman, I'm, I'm helping you, but it's for Harry. It's not for you. I hate your guts. I don't care if you're the goblin or not. Norman Osborn is evil. Norman Osborn is bad. You're never anything different whether you're in one disguise or the other. So screw you. And that's where we're kind of left. But this still continues to feel like a Norman who really wants to do good. And I think maybe that's part of the plan as well from Kindred to show Norman that nobody is ever going to forgive him. Maybe to get everybody down at their lowest moment when he reveals what he's doing or whatnot. But you know, I did like the emotions between Norman, especially, you know, and uh, especially Peter, but they are over the top. So, but I think that he's just had enough. I mean, it's a lot of people and Mary Jane almost died again. He thought all the order of the web just threw shade at him. Uh, but did you like that or not? I, I did. I mean, there were some moments like when, when he first confronts him, you know, about like, Hey, you need to give me all these answers. Uh, he did. And you mentioned it say like, 
you've been through so much, you know, we've been through you having a different personality through you, you know, getting treatments to you thinking that you were, you know, Cleus Cassidy, like all, all of these different things, all these callbacks. And it does like, cause I feel like Nick Spencer would totally do this. It still feels like Norman has something like to gain from this. Like he has something in his pocket. And it is funny because Nick Spencer's doing a great job of setting it up, though, because the idea I'll team up with Kingpin and then you're like, oh, my God, he's up to no good. But then it's because he wants to help his son from and every. But, yeah, you can't ever trust Norman. And the idea of what Mary Jean said in that issue, which I didn't see a lot of people either liking that issue. Me and you seem to be very positive more than others about that issue. But I thought that was one of the most important things, most important scenes in this whole deal that we've been dealing with recently with Kindred and whatnot. The idea that Mary Jane saying, I'm an actor. I know somebody who's acting and you, Norman, are always evil. You can pretend that this Norman Osborne, oh, what was me, Norman? I'm back to being the nice guy. No, no, no. You're never a nice guy. And you're just as bad, if not worse, than when you're goblin. So stop it. And I think that that was very important. I don't think that was pushed out there to be like, oh, there goes Mary Jane being emotional or something. No, I think that that's the deal. And I think you're right. And with that, I do think that he cares for Harry, but there's something else there. And like you said, with him saying, get Mary Jane and you talk to him, whatever. We have to see, does he want to team up with Kindred Harry? Does he want and what the deal may be? Or maybe he wants something. And, And that's the other thing about this is we still don't really know how and what of Kindred powers and how. I mean, he can resurrect people from the dead. This is a pretty powerful character. And if you have him on your side, you can go. Now, Kingpin, on the other hand, he, he pretty much seemingly just wants his wife back, Vanessa. So that would be why he would be involved with all this, knowing that Kindred can bring people back from the dead. That's kind of was set up earlier as well. Um, But yeah, with this, It's one of those where you can sit there and say, boy, Peter could probably solve this by just talking to Harry, but I don't think it's that easy anyway. And as an aside, you get a new name for the Order of the Web. They're now called the Order. It's just like, really? That's the big part where you're going to change the name? Like, this is too long. We're just the Order. That's okay. I like the Order of the Web, so I don't mind having all that. But in this future series in the work, that's what it seemed. It really did seem like that would be a cooler team name for a series. So we'll see. I'd read that. I'd like that as, uh, you know, started out as a miniseries, see what's going on. That would be really cool. Uh, but, yeah, you end up having Peter remembering all the stuff, like we said, almost killing Norman. Activated his dental plan, it seems, as well. I mean, he was beating the <laughs> crap out of him. And then he goes off. He does pull away. Seemingly like, oh, my God, I, I don't I didn't realize I was getting that crazy. He goes off as you end up having Kindred through the dark prism deal, looking out at a bleeding Norman, his father, and starts giggling inside the prism deal. Uh, That was pretty crazy. Also, in my mind, I did not think he could move at all. I know that they said he could talk through, so I guess... He'd have to move his mouth or somewhat, whatever the way it is with the spells and whatever. But all of a sudden, him grinning, I'm like, oh, no, he's up to something. But, yeah, he he might just be laughing. That Look at my dad. I hate that guy. Look at him bleed. Bleed out, buddy. 
But then we go. But it's also the- very strange, just because, like, like you said, in the last issue, we had him like crying, telling them, "Hey, you need to figure this out." And then now it's switched, and so I wonder if this kindred persona is just that. Yeah, just well, like that's what we're going to see. Green Goblin was to Norman, and and with that, then or he's playing a game, and that was I don't know, but he did seem concerned with that stuff. And this is the thing. Individual issues and whatnot, I do like with Nick Spencer, but he's already playing the long game of the long con of the long game. I mean, we ended up having Kindred mention the first couple issues of this series, and then it took this long to find out it's Harry to not get anything more to then go on to wonder about, you know, Norman and stuff like this. So this is the long game. If you like that, I'm sure that people are eating this up. I don't necessarily love that. I like to have some answers or a little more and kind of get on with things. So with that, there are a lot of opportunities or opportunities for different stories and such. Like you said, this could be that it's not even Harry anymore. This could just be Kindred, even though at the point he's talking about Peter and his head and stuff like that. But with that, you go off to the morgue with Carly, Carly Cooper, and she has been asked by Mary Jane to look at the bodies. They end up having the bodies that were in the mu- muse- mausoleum. Mausoleum, I was going to say. But they end up, <laughs> and it's the, you know, George Stacy's body. These are the, the skeletons that were dug up. And the one guy says to Carly, hey, uh, I don't know why we're going through these bodies again. I mean, they were dug up. They already, uh, no, no, no. And it looks like she is there. They're looking for this connection. They're trying to see what bodies they were as Carly goes and knows the stuff. Even says like, oh, Peter, what's going on? How is he messing with you? It gets to the last body as she then freaks out and tries to call Mary Jane. Now, Mary Jane doesn't answer the phone. It is on. She's sleeping. And, you know, it goes right to voicemail. And Carly is freaking out and saying, oh, my God, MJ, pick up. I, I went through the bodies. There's one more. You're not going to believe this. Of course, it's the tropey cliffhanger deal where you're like, just say it right away. Just yell, oh, my God. It's And so who is that? Who is that last body there? But what ends up happening is one of the kindred like centipedes comes out from the bu- and turns off the phone. It looks like the thing actually it disconnects the phone because Carly drops it. I'm like, that's one, you know, pretty smart centipede being able to do that. Uh, but it ends up what what's the body? Because then you have Peter come back. You have Carly, you know, the missed call, Mary Jane sleeping. Peter comes through the window and Mary Jane wakes up and says, this isn't over, is it? And he says, no, it isn't to be continued, obviously. Um, But yeah, the idea of who this body is and what it might do to Carly even while this is going on. And there's a lot. It could be Harry. It could be Peter. It could be Norman. it, It could be any who it could just be Kindred. But we'd have to see. Any guesses who you think it is? Well, I didn't really think of anything until um, I looked at the last pages. Um, And I think it might be Peter. We have seen that he has died and come back and died and come back. And then, I don't know, just the way the art kind of plays it off at the very end. um, You know, he is acting very strangely over, you know, overly emotional. Maybe that has something to do with it as well. Um, so I'm going to put my money on Peter, but I could totally see it being Harry. I thought it was Harry at first, but I'm with you then. Once you said Peter, I'm like, you know what? I might go with that, the idea, and that would explain, like, even if it's, like, part of him, 
wasn't resident. You know, this whole thing, because again, Kindred doing the stuff can seemingly do just about anything. And so what is that going on and what would be? And that would be crazy if, as MJ said, check out the bodies. Okay, that's George Stacy. Okay, Gwen Stacy's skeleton. That's crazy. Oh, my God, this is a newly dead Peter or a skeleton Peter that she can recognize that would have been from around the time of maybe a one more day that we were hinting at before. And the idea that, you know, this would be the direction. I think that whatever this body is should end up being the direction that they go with with this investigation of what Harry. Are you implying that? Peter has been dead since one more I'm day. I'm saying that that's that version. Like when they change the deal, when Harry's killing him and all. Boom, he another ends up clone those. saga. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not saying. I'm saying they're still both <laughs> the deal. They're both Peter. But it's one of those timeline deals of Harry coming back and kind of hinting at the one more day. Now nah, I'm just going new clone saga. People love that, right? <laughs> they love it. We did have a clone deal at the beginning of the series and people were going nuts with that. But no, I'm just like some sort of way that that's a Peter from before. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to explain if it is Peter. Why is he there or whatever? It just would be as he was killing him. He's bringing him back. Bringing him, and then one thing slipped on the side. But I think that this whatever it is, I think it's the hint to the next phase of what Harry was begging them to go look for. But obviously with that sneering grin in the dark prism, this ends up being something that isn't exactly fully on, please help me, please, oh, I'm crying, Uh, I'm Harry, I'm so upset. Something's going on that he is trying to, you know, kind of screw with Norman and Peter, even if screwing them is showing them the truth that, that Harry knows will devastate at least Peter. So we'll see how it goes. I'm telling you, I'm not saying anything about clones. Not me. <laughs> or, or it is. Maybe it's the skeleton of clone. I don't know. But uh, by the end, I, I will admit that reading this quickly before we got on, I kind of was kind of, you know, eh, you know, this is okay. And I said the dialogue's always good. There's always something. And yes, I do start getting annoyed with the amount of mysteries and enigmas, you know, piling up with this whole deal. But talking to you about it and then maybe thinking that might be a body, but I actually enjoyed it a little more uh, going through it. And again, that's often the times when you even go through something more than once. So what I was going to be originally was a seven. I'm actually going to go up to a 7.8 for this, mainly because this is set up and I want to know more. And just adding more mysteries is starting to get to me, but I still did enjoy it. And I like the Mark Bagley art here. I know that I diss him a bunch, and but this is pretty good, even with the different inkers and stuff like that. So 7.8 overall, what would you give it? Yeah, I was uh, sitting at about a 7.2, 7.3. I didn't want to go quite 7 because I did enjoy this. You know, the only thing that I was questioning was uh, Peter's overly dramatic, over you know, over emotional state. But if the ending is a possibility that, you know, this is all part of Kindred's plan and he somehow made um, a new Peter Parker, um, that intrigues me a lot more. So I would put this at about a 7.5. Okay. Yeah. We're both pretty positive with that, even though I'm told that we're always negative. Always negative. We are. (laughs) But as we do, as we leave out, let everybody know where they can find you, Clay. 
Of course, you can find me at Fanboy Clay over on Twitter. Um, I have a, a link tree in the bio there, so you can find me um, on all of my shows. Of course, uh, Fanboy Comics Podcast, the Comic Book Legion Podcast, the Batman News Weekly Podcast here and sometimes on the Patreon here as well. And then uh, over at the Geek Ultimate Alliance Network, um, I have the Ranger Alliance Podcast as well. All right. Well, that's cool. And... I'm going to go up now to uh, join up with Brandon, and we are going to get avalanched by King and Black stuff. It looks like the podcast from now on is going to be at least 75% King and Black. Everything's King and Black. So we'll be going off to that right now. All right. And I'm here with Brandon. How you doing, Brandon? Nope. Doing all right. We end up here with a book that's going to be about one of your favorite symbiotes, Scream. We've actually talked about Scream. Yeah, I don't mind the character. No, and then we go to Ravencroft to kind of mess around and stuff. And you didn't read the Ravencroft series, right? I remember when we were talking back in the day when that was around the time of the shutdown. Uh, I, was I, I read random issues of it. I didn't stay up on it, though, no. Yeah, yeah. So pretty much that part I don't think is going to hit you very hard anyway. And all of this, we were going to talk about this last night, and it ended up eh, not really – not really being something that we really needed to, uh, you know, get done. But we're doing it here. And here it is. It's Planet of the Symbiotes, number one. The first story is a scream story written by Clay McLeod Chapman with art by Gio Avilanova, colors by Dean White, and editor. Why am I saying editor? I wanted to know the letter. That's down below. VC's Corey Petit, but also the Ravencroft story written by Frank Thierry, Danilo de S. Bayruth, and Rachel Rosenberg on colors. Again, VC's Corey Petit on the letters. When Andy Benton was in high school, she had no idea that her gym teacher was really Flash Thompson, a.k.a. Venom. After a brief stint as his sidekick, Andy was later targeted by the psychotic serial killer Carnage. Only through the intervention of an orphan offspring of the Venom symbiote did Andy survive. And now bonded as one, she and the symbiote protect the innocent with extreme prejudice as the creature called Scream. And we'll go right into that first story and then we'll come back for the thing for the second one. And really, all this is is to just let you know that Scream is out and about and is not part of the hive mind. That That's basically what I think this is for, right? Yeah, I, I mean, it, both of these stories, I, I, I don't know. I don't get the Planet of Symbiotes vibe. The whole title threw me off, I think, when I started reading these. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I, it was tough for me to get in the flow. I'm like, wait, what's going on here? We're just getting a random Scream story, kind of? And then it's it's... It's it's almost very cliche scream because you're gonna throw kind of the the other symbiotes used to be bonded with. Um, this is what we always you know, get as her villain into it. Yes, it's, it's it's very cliche scream story for sure. Because when you go, you get Riot, Agony, Lasher, and Phage there, and then they kind of come together as that hybrid that Null's gonna talk through. The Transformer, yeah, they, yeah, really, it's a triple change. And as you do go into this, you know, they are there and they're looking for Dylan. They're looking for Dylan Brock. They say it. They're grabbing some random kid whose mother went through the windshield, it seems. She may not have had her seatbelt on, but the kid is in trouble, but it's not Dylan. So he's going to be eaten. They're going to eat him because, you know, that's what they do. And that's where Andy comes up as Scream and says, hey, what's this, a family reunion? You better not eat that kid. And then in pretty much, you know, a way, I guess, to kind of point out, hey, you know what? Andy does fire and Sonics and here, look, it's what they don't like and she can do it and all that going on. But then ending up going into this hybrid and eating her. 
And then she does that classic action movie deal where she kind of blows up from within and ends up scattering her. And then her and the kid walk away. That is it. I mean, really, there's not much, you know, there's not much to it. And I really thought that I do like Andy. After I finished reading this book, you you would kind of text me and be like, let's not do this one. Let's do a different one. Because both the stories, there's really not a whole lot to talk about for. Well, this is going to be probably our quickest thing. But the the point of the matter is this is the only thing you're going to be on the regular podcast with. The only other thing we could have done was Immortal Hulk, which I'm going to be doing after this. But I figured we've been doing this. And really, the only reason I said that we were going to do it and why I wanted you to do it with me was for Andy, because you like Andy. But there we go. You, you, yeah. There's nothing to say, no, really, right? Not I about mean, this story. If you had to pick a, a villain to throw at Andy, it would be the villain we got in this story. And then, you know, we get a little bit of a teaser where it looks like all the blown up pieces are just crawling back in the sewer anyway. So we'll, we'll probably see them again. some point. And that's the thing. This is a continuing deal. We have a number two coming up. You even see the cover at the end, but I think that we're just going to move on and go around to different ones here. So it's almost like a who's who of the symbiotes that we didn't see. I, I don't know. I, I'll tell you the the first one didn't annoy me. I would say as much, it, it was just a big nothing burger in my world. The The second one, I don't know what it was. The second one really annoyed me. I was just like, why do we keep, yeah. Why do we keep like Ravencroft is such this hot spot in our universe right now. I'm just sick of it. Just burn it with fire and move on. Oh, you know my. what I'm saying? Like get rid of yes. this joint. Hey, burn it to the ground, says, <laughs> says Brandon. <laughs> and the next one is the Ravencroft story written by, again, Frank Thierry, art by Danilo S. Bayruth, Rachel Rosenberg on colors, and BC's Corey Petit on letters. New York is a city full of superhuman, extraterrestrial, and ordinary criminals. Many are deemed fit to serve their time in ordinary prisons. But a small few of the Marvel Universe's criminals are either too violent or too unstable to be housed in standard penitentiaries in those cases. The guildies are sent for rehabilitation in Ravencroft. And you go, and, and that's all fine and dandy, but that's not really what this is about. No. I mean, you end up, basically, this just continues the story that we had been doing in that Ravencroft series where we were following Cortland Cassidy, kind of leading up to the present. He's a huge serial killer. They're tying it in now that he is somebody that no has been watching. No, has, has a hard on for the Cassidy's. Yeah, the he does Cassidy have family. a hard on for them. And <laughs> since and since right now Mary Jane is carnage, not really <laughs> inspiring a lot of fear. Uh, they he's going to Cortland and he's going to make him. And and again, this is like let's get some new things going on. Let's join this. And and it's a pretty cool visual at one point where the guards are talking. Uh, you know, about Ravencroft. Hey, and, and just to mention, so you know, you know, that John Jameson is a, you know, what yeah. do you think about the werewolves? And yeah, I'm yeah. like, who's saying this? It's just a deal. Hey, you know, what is it? This job is great, right? I don't know. It's got a werewolf problem. I think he looks ridiculous in this book, dude. They're like in this story, he, look, he looks like a giant puppy. Think me and you are sitting at Ravencroft. We're the guards and we're walking around. Maybe we're not the smartest guys to get jobs there because... Why would this guy, oh, my God, here comes a plane. I, I, if there's a plane, you're in big trouble anyway. But still, it's, it's a dragon. It's a null dragon. And it comes down and just splats on there where the one guy kind of runs away. And he seems to be part of that cult, cult of null that we had seen before. And, again, 
when we get yeah. to this point, and that was more in the carnage deal, the absolute carnage yeah, stuff. It was, and so yeah. when when you you see stuff like this, your mind starts to get confused because we have seen this stuff in so many different books and for so long that he's run around and not that you need to know, but it does tie into the whole Cassidy deal because he runs off and then presses a button that has the null symbol. I mean, things are getting real technical here with the null stuff, but I like when he goes into this crypt. And Noah's kind of there coming out of the symbiote goo that is, you know, there over this body of yeah, Cortland Cassidy. Cool. Uh, Cortland, he, he kind of looks ridiculous there as the little guy in the tomb. Yeah. He doesn't look that. I he, mean, he, he, I don't know how there's nothing left but the hair on that's his That's what I was going like to say. The hair on his face He the ends back of his up head. having nothing left but his mutton chops, the mutton chops, and a beard. Yeah. I'm like, look at that guy. He didn't mummify his Amish it, looks. I know, and it, it's his, funny his when body, you look at yes. him. Yeah, when you look at him, he looks like he'd be like a little puppet or something. Like, hey there, Courtland, what's going on? I don't know, but you have your hand up my butt. You know, stuff like that. And, you know, and that <laughs> always works out. Uh, but it, it spells out, you know, hey, I've had my eyes on Courtland. You have no talking. And again, I'll mention, and we did this on the Patreon Spotlight this week, the idea we're seeing a lot of no and a lot of no being very yappity in the side books. He hasn't said crap really in the regular book. You know, he's just running around at one point. I want Brock. Oh, you're hard to kill. But he's really talky in these books where he ends up giving off the power there to make Cortland Cassidy into plague. Now we got plague, the ghost symbiote deal as he's going to go. And he seems to be able to suck the life out of people and stuff like that. Where when you're there and you have no, right? No looks horrendous, right? Hideous. You end up seeing a Cortland Cassidy. He grows, you know, there and comes to life in this plague version with the mutton chops still intact, all that. And then Null says to you, what are you willing to sacrifice? Don't just say anything. I, I know you're part of no, the cult, but get say, out of there and, and get turn around. There. You know, or, you, or, you helped whatever. I don't know what he really helped with either at this point. Yeah, like, no, he opened it, it up, like I guess. No, anyway. didn't have the key to get out is what he needed. <laughs> and maybe it is one of those things that they've all been told to do this. And the dupe was he needed some soul to be able to be consumed. I don't know. It doesn't make sense. No says to me, what are you willing to sacrifice? I'm like, listen, buddy, I already gave you all I can. Maybe a couple of my kids. And then I run. I tail it out. But, you know, the idea of just saying as a general statement, everything, you might as well just kill yourself right there because everything's going to mean everything. And it's going to be very quick. And it does end up happening. But then, like you said, it's weird because then you have guards come in. I don't even know how they were alerted to this because this seemed to be a secret room. But they come in. They get consumed as well. And, uh, yeah, Cortland. He, he still doesn't look that great, right? I, I guess these guys aren't no. really a healthy meal. He looks terrible. No, they're not. They're not providing much substance. Yeah, and that's where Puppy Dog uh, Jung comes in. And he's like, hey, you want to mess with a space werewolf? And then Cortland and him have a connection, which is such a weird way to just get things going. You know, oh, my God, you're Cortland Cassidy. How do I know that? Oh, I, the same way I know you're John Jameson. I'm like, that's a real shortcut, right? And so you end up because of the connection to no, and then ended up mentioning you betrayed him before. You betrayed our Lord. Now I'm going to get you. He starts sucking the soul out. Misty Knight comes flying in. And, and 
This is the reason why at the very end I didn't mind it. I like seeing Misty, and it does go back to the Ravencroft deal where you did have John and her in charge, and she was always watching, even in the stuff before that with John, if he changes all that stuff. And she ends up hitting Cortland with her, you know, the the woman with the golden arm. And uh, I like when he's like, ooh, women with, you know, metal arms in this time? This is pretty cool. And they're going to die. They are legitimately, at this point, they're, they're just going to end up dying as things are going, but they end up stopping, and you end up having the bloodline of Cortland, I'm getting out of here. And just It's just a weird kind of deal there where you do then have, it's complete, the mission at hand, it's time to avenge my bloodline, and he goes off. And he's going to go off and kill Brock. And the the thing is with these uh, these King and Black stories right now, we've already had the play of saying, you know, I'm going to get Brock and Eddie like, OK, I'm here. No, no, not you. I wish they would spell out the first name because I'm sure I'm sure that Cortland is going after Eddie. But still, we've already had that game being played before. So we'll, we'll see. So Did not, everyone going after Eddie. Did none of these guys realize he's currently dead right uh, no, now? They like, don't, no, they don't know. Nobody gave him the menu. Memo. No, he didn't give him the men memo there. And maybe he's going off to <laughs> kill him in the hive mind. I don't know. But yeah, they're all just sitting there and like, you yeah, have Misty, I hate this effing place. And that's where it ends, where John's like, well, if you think that that's just here in the Ravencroft, you're mistaken. It's worldwide. And they're, yeah. And, and she's like, uh oh. And both of them at the end look ridiculous. They get very cartoony. You know, look at look at John in that second to last panel. I don't even know what he looks like there. His face is crooked. He, he looks weird, but. Yeah, it's colorful. You have the whole idea of plagues all purple, and it's colorful and stuff. But overall, <laughs> not not a great story in either of these. To me, it's weird to have no, a it, it's weird to have a um a tie in book that seems to just want to remind you who's out and about, and then set up something else that will carry on. Because overall, I thought that this was just okay. Uh, but not needed right now. And it's hard. Do you, like a lot of these, the way they're playing these King and Black Titans, a lot of them don't seem very necessary. But maybe by the end they will be. But by then yeah. they'll probably be explained in the main book. I mean, if Cortland Cassidy shows up in the main book to do something big, I'm sure it'll be explained. If you end up having Scream show up to stop, I'm sure it's going to be explained. But this right now just doesn't seem very necessary. Or they just, just end up on a giant spread page where everyone fights. Yeah, the and then it's really up. unnecessary. And so with all of this going <laughs> yeah. on, it's just a weird deal. It just feels like another book to throw out there and almost like, well, it is the King in Black. We're dealing with symbiotes. What other symbiotes do we have around? Let's throw them out there and yeah, see what, what, it see feels what happens. Like to me. It that's does. exactly what it And feels I wish like that I wish that Scream and Andy, I hope that she becomes a little more important because we do like her. And and I like her because she's different. I'm gonna take off a half a point for spelling Null's Clubhouse on the letters page at the end. It, they put a C for Clubhouse. That's that's terrible. Yeah, and, <laughs> you think that it should have been the K with the Clubhouse and just go? Yes, with it? that is true. Why not? Why call it a Clubhouse? Going to be just naming something that's stupid. It's got to be K for Clubhouse. You're talking about it's the only way it works. And, and you're talking about the letters page and stuff like that, and where they're explaining things and all this stuff going on, right? This. This is just more an explanation page here of stuff. Why not call it the hive mind or something? 
Well, I, well, I call there it Noel's Clubhouse. So Noel's Clubhouse. His Clubhouse. What are they doing? Sipping Tang over there? They're drinking the Yoo-Hoo? They forgot the No Girls Allowed sign up in the right corner. That's the He-Man <laughs> Woman Haters Club. That's that Noel <laughs> might be there. With, with this, are they sitting around talking about, like, maybe how great the watermelon uh, Mountain Dew is? Do you think they're talking about no, that at the Clubhouse? They really should be. If, if I no, mean, that's... If Noel's Clubhouse, run. if it was stocked with watermelon Mountain Dew, would you actually go? First off, who would go to Noel's Clubhouse? I mean, really? Nobody's well, going there. I though. mean, if they're stocking it with watermelon Mountain Dew, I'll volunteer you might to be, be there. the next Brandon Cassidy. I don't, I, I don't know. <laughs> I might be too. Well, I've seen you, and, <laughs> and you are a serial killer, right? A serial yeah. Yeah, now that should be with a C. I haven't eaten much new cereal uh, this uh, past I've been, week. I've been on a Wheaties kick lately. Not what? really great. Yeah. Oh I've just been eating God. Wheaties. I mean, I thought I was lame. The only thing I had was Cinnamon Life, and I thought that I'm telling you, I wasn't going to mention it because I know that's lame. <laughs> but I do, I do hanker they for got it. Chocolate occasionally. Life now. I meant now, to try I that, that the other I hate day. it. It's I don't no like it now. Yeah. I, I actually don't mind life cereal and cinnamon life is one of the things I it's mix it good. in occasionally, but I don't brag about it. I, I go but, regular life. I don't go cinnamon life though. If I, yeah, I, I usually like am regular. We had uh, two weeks in a row. We got the big BJ's box of life and my kids and me just went through both of those things. Those oversized. And I thought, you know what? I want to get some cinnamon life. Mix that in a little. That has remained. Nobody wants to touch it. They don't like it. I don't mind it, though. Yeah, I don't mind it. The other cereal that we've had recently was the Elf on a Shelf cereal that we got. We had that. We got it discounted at BJ's. It was like 50 cents a box. Cinnamon or uh, sugar cookie or the peppermint nonsense? It was the sugar cookie. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't great. It wasn't great. It was, it was okay. It was it okay. Wasn't bad. The marshmallows are too small. They're and so I'll sit small at the bottom of the box. Yeah, That's they're the stupid. They're so cereal. little. They're like little yeah. like BBs. I don't know what yeah. was going on with those. I was pissed. Yeah. I thought there was some sort of magic that it was going to grow. Like, they're like the Swiss Miss marshmallows. They just yeah. do nothing in the hot yeah, cocoa. They, they come in the prepackaged. Yeah, they do nothing. That's they why, melt before it's even. That's why in, in with your, the cereal, I add my own marshmallows. Actually, I don't. I tried that once with just regular mini marshmallows. <laughs> Those are, they're too soft for that. They're too soft for actually yeah, cereal. No, they don't you work gotta, out. You got to like leave them out for a yeah, week you if you're going to do that. Told you at one point, I think I even sh- uh, sent the picture. This is way back where we had a uh, store that was, it was like a discount grocery store, but they also had like these weird homemade things and weird stuff that they'd get. And they had like a, a pound bag of the marshmallows from Lucky Charms. And me and my son Rafe ended up eating bowls of just the marshmallows because that's what everybody always says. I wish yeah, I could yeah. just get more. No, the no, dream. no. It's the dream. It's the nightmare when you're eating it. It gets real old real quick and starts hurting your teeth. But we tried oh, yeah. it. I have pictures somewhere of us eating those. It's pretty funny. Um, but yeah, I, you just you need to throw like an extra handful in your normal bowl. Of lucky yeah, charms. that's, that's what how you that should work. Or yeah, just yeah, every yeah. other cereal. They, they should have yeah, that. This not? is what it we should do. Everything. They always do this. Why don't we just have like you have the King and Black, right? Why don't we have crossover cereals? You just have every cereal suddenly has the marshmallows from Lucky Charms. And I'm talking any cereal. And let's see what goes. Let's see what gives. That's a They've crossover event. They've a few event. of those crossover cereals, but they're, they're always nonsense no, they combinations. Them. That's and I never, the problem. They yeah. change it. I don't want to change. I just want, Actually, what I need is the marshmallow invasion. Just uh, play it out. I mean, uh, I don't know that they have a lot of cereal commercials nowadays because I don't watch a little, you know, kids stuff and whatever. But have it like an event where the marshmallows have gone nuts. 
and they've jumped the box and they're invading the rest of the cereal. I'm in. I'd like that. <laughs> I'd like that. I'm I'm still loving like oops all berries. Like I love that because every yeah, time I, like I eat too. it, I laugh because to me the captain messed up in the factory and uh, that's the play. Oops all berries. He ended up hitting the wrong lever and I'm like, why didn't you get fired, Captain? Because you're the captain. That's why. He and then cotton the candy. Uh, Captain Crunches the day he got high at work. Yeah, I, I, really. I, that that cereal stinks. Yeah, that stinks. But again, you're changing things too much. I don't There's mind no when they flavor do. to it. It just is regular Crunch Berries to me. I, it, I don't taste. I hadn't had in a while. I ended up having peanut butter Captain Crunch for the first time in a long time uh, about a couple months ago, and uh, I really like it. It's another one of those cereals I can't eat all the time. I have occasionally. Yeah, the, you get I that know. weird film on the. On you get the halfway thing. through the box, and then you're like, "All right, yeah. we'll see you again in about two you, or three when years." When you go to drink the milk crunch. afterwards, <laughs> it looks like a bog. It's got that scum yeah. on top and stuff. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It's you weird. have to, you have to drink it though. I always do. That's the the other thing that I was upset about with the elf and the shelf cereal. Not a lot of. Uh, Milk flavor at the end. It kind of seemed kind of generic at the yeah, end. Yeah, sugar cookie dunking. doesn't really have a flavor. No, other than so sugar, it wasn't that. Great. It wasn't <laughs> that great, right? So yeah, there you go. Your your cereal talk, because Brandon is a cereal killer. Now I yes. really want to leave now and go get cereal for the deal. And as a kid, a watermelon Mountain Dew, and that too. We we joke this. around a lot. As a kid, legitimately, my mom and dad eventually buckled, and they ended up letting me have cereal for every meal of the day. And uh, that's all I did. Probably why it stunted my growth. <laughs> Probably why I yeah, have I such don't know. problems I'm six, now. I'm six one, and I I was the same way. I would eat cereal anytime my mom made something I didn't like. I went and grabbed the cereal. So. And I, I will give give them credit, and not really credit. What I'm saying is they didn't really pay attention and care because at one point, because I had such severe you know attention deficit disorder and stuff like that, at that point they still were pushing the idea it could be from sugar. So that was like the first thing they would tell you. I got to back off on the head, whatever. Nah, nah, they didn't. I, I actually used to plead my case because I'd read the information and then, you know, go and give them a whole deal. That's I used to love reading the nutrition information on the box. <laughs> I loved everything about cereal and cereal boxes. I loved it. We still need to do to the cereal. I we don't know still, if yeah. they really used to be better or if, uh, well, I don't know. I'm I remember at one point I was just upset. Because they stopped giving you any sort of prizes and you started yeah, the getting prizes codes. Is nonsense. You get codes I now. I don't need a yeah, code. I don't need that either. Give me, Screw give me a that. nonsense toy in there like a Happy Meal. It's Damn right. G- give me some sort of, you know, uh, temporary tattoos or something. I yeah. like that. But yeah, we still have to do our uh, serial podcast that we claim we were going to do at some point. Maybe we will soon. But. Hey, that's it for me and you. That's why I figured that yes. we needed to talk a little bit more because we didn't have a lot to talk about. So, yeah, those yeah. stories are quick. That is it. You better not fall asleep right now. That's right how now. bad the plan of the symbiotes was. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't that great. bad. I'm giving it a nah, six five. What are you going to give? I'm going to give it a five eight. I, I wasn't really thrilled with either story. I mean, the first one I enjoyed more. The second one I, I rolled my eyes at a couple points, especially when I saw. Uh, James or uh, the Jameson puppy dog. Kinda, yeah, you didn't like you know, the wolf. It's he didn't look to, uh, I didn't, menacing. I thought to he you. looked ridiculous. He didn't no, look he like a like werewolf the, uh, the from space. The least threatening wolf I've ever seen in my life. He's a werewolf astronaut. Yes, he, he didn't come <laughs> up like. That. It's like when he's like, "You never messed with a space werewolf." I'm like, "All right." He was definitely more astronaut than wolf in this kind yeah, of. Yeah, sure. yeah. I actually astronaut. 
I ended up, uh, I like when Misty Knight shut up. I always get a kick when she shows up. So there you go. I think that she's my uh, Marvel girlfriend. You, she doesn't know it yet, but that'll hey, be the Cassidy deal. Cassidy sounded like a Rocket Raccoon from Avengers in that one point. He's like, I want that metal arm. Yeah, yeah, really, really. He arm. did want the metal arm. But yeah, so that is me and Brandon talking. And yeah, thanks, Brandon. Go back to your life in Buffalo. Yes. And I'm going to go off right now and finish up the podcast with the Immortal Hulk. Yes, and I am here to talk about Immortal Hulk number 42, written by Al Ewing, of course, but art by a bunch of people. This has a bunch of different artists in this, in an issue that is kind of a setup issue, but also let's check in with everybody issue. So as you go through different scenes with different characters, you do end up with different artists doing these sequences. You end up having Alex Lins, the art in the leader sequence. You have Adam Gorham on art in the Gamma Flight sequence. Rachel Stott is art in the Jackie McGee sequence. And Joe Bennett and Roy Jose are the art in the UFOs sequence. And then it goes from there. And, yeah, that kind of does end up spoiling the big cliffhanger that the UFOs show up. But like I said, this issue jumps between a bunch of different characters, a bunch of scenes, Again, setting things up, and it had been announced by Joe Bennett that this run with him and Al Ewing was going to end at number 50. So this is seemingly, in my mind, with eight issues left after this, the kind of stretch run, let's set everybody up. Let's get things into place to get to this big grand finale. And usually I get upset with setup issues. Now, setup issues when you have one character or even a team doing one thing the setup then kind of gets boring you're just going to go through an issue with oh we're going to do this this and this oh it's set up that's not the case here because you have so many things going on so even with a setup issue you end up enjoying it because you do get to see bruce banner in the down below you get to see him and the leader you then go to Gamma Flight with, you know, Doc Sampson even there and Gritch being pissed off at them for not being able to handle the Hulk. You go to Jackie McGee as she finds out that things are not going so great at the Arizona Herald after the Hulk destroyed it. Then you end up having uh, Dr. McGowan. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on. I just kind of went through the whole deal. But, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on. So while it's set up or not, you end up being gripped by what's there and there's something going on for just about everyone. It does remind me of when a lot of people at the beginning of Chip Zdarsky's Daredevil run would say, oh, there's too much going on and there's too much setup for this and that. But I liked it because there was so much of that and nothing was ignored. 
And I like how this does that as well. As you start in the down below and just get a picture of, you know, Bruce and the leader down below while you end up having Critch saying, you know, what is wrong with this picture? What's going on? But also with that going on, you go up and Gritch and controlled all these things, asking Gamma Flight how they could not end up bringing in the Hulk. How could they not even contain the Hulk in a space station that they're on? And he is pissed. He's yelling and screaming. He's threatening. He even says to Puck and Titania, I can't speak now, the idea that absorbing man, Carl Creel, he went off. He didn't want any parts of this. He went off. Well, now he's a wanted man. And Gritch ends up saying, I did this with a text. I mean, that's how easy it is. That's how badass I am. I could just end up making you all wanted people by just texting somebody. And so you you get that set up. Now, Doc Sampson, he, he doesn't really like what he's hearing. And eventually we'll see him kind of call Gritch's bluff. Gritch tries to call his bluff. It doesn't work. All these things going on. But we do go back to Arizona. And we see that Jackie McGee, you know, the the idea that the Arizona Herald was going to be the paper that followed the Hulk, you know, almost like the idea where they said it. The Daily Bugle has made their living for years and years pretty much following and covering Spider-Man. We're going to do that with the Hulk. The problem is Spider-Man doesn't go crazy and destroy the Daily Bugle, you know, building. When you're covering the Hulk and he gets drawn to you by having Jackie McGee there, you kind of have destruction and things like that. The paper did a, you know, a massive epic fail here. And now they are downsizing people, losing their jobs, all these things. New management and then says to Jackie, hey, uh, you know, we're not really into this reporting anymore. How are you with lists? And it's kind of a dig on like a BuzzFeed type deal in my mind. Uh, She obviously doesn't like that. She packs up her things to go home. Uh, Again, while we're doing that, though, up on the Gamma Flight Space Station, you end up having Doc Sasquatch, the Doc Samson deal. He goes over to one of the windows there in the space station. It's cool when he looks out as the Sasquatch. You end up seeing the reflection is Doc Samson there. And he ends up just, like, scratching on the, the... glass you know with his nails and the idea of like whoa 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 you know he can't do anything i mean why would he first off and plus that's pretty strong glass the problem is we just saw banner hulk break out of that last issue so obviously it's not as strong as it should be one of the reasons why absorbing man got the hell out of there so with that you end up having armed guards about to shoot Doc Sampson and Gritch realizes you can't do that. You're going to shoot the windows out, you dummy. Stop. And it goes through a process of the idea, well, Sampson, you're not going to do that. Why would you do that? Well, they've already kind of thrown trash talk back and forth with Doc Sampson about how he keeps coming back, whether he comes back as himself in the body of the Sasquatch, whatever. But he does die and come back. The others really don't. So when he's doing this, you know, if you think, well, he wouldn't do that because he'll die. Well, you already just trash talked about him coming back. Also, you get this by 
the end of this, he really doesn't care about living anyway. So it's this bluff of who's going to stand down, who's going to make the move here. And Gritch ends up kind of stopping and backing off with that. But with all of that, it seems that Gamma Force, they're done. They, they don't want any parts of this. They're, they're going to be done with it. So that's going to mean that Gritch has to go and get another team, which he does by the end. But we do see Jackie then go back to her house with her stuff because she has quit the Arizona Herald. She goes in and Dr. McGowan is there. She had translocated to Jackie's apartment. She didn't break in. It's one of those like semantics things. Oh, my God, you broke in. No, 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 I just translocated. Okay, we'll go with that. But the thing is, she's tracking Gamma, and it seems as if Jackie has the Gamma now fully. And it's a cool little deal with that because that's kind of what she wanted at the beginning. That's kind of what she was trying to find out about and trying to do and wanting to become and stuff like that. And Jackie says, I can't really have that. I can't really have that because I've she got mad recently and I don't change or anything. And that's where Dr. McGowan says that's not really always how it works. And she has her scanner and she says, I use the scanner to try to, you know, protect myself and get out of areas with high gamma, but I can use it here and it goes wild. She does have it. And when Jackie then gets upset about it, says, I need to know, she does open her eyes and look in a mirror and she's got green glowing eyes and then turns to McGowan and is obviously seeing through the green, through the gamma. And she's probably going to freak out because of that. But we'll see because, again, you're moving pretty quickly through these scenes. And you do jump back and forth between the Gamma Flight and Jackie at the Arizona Herald, back and forth, back and forth to kind of get that full deal there so that you bookend pretty much the deal with Banner in Hell that we started out with with just a glimpse. But we go back to the down below where you do have, again, the whole deal with the leader who did swallow up Brian Banner you know, all the stuff to get to where they are here in the down below. But the leader, he's talking a lot of trash. He's talking a lot of stuff about how he thinks he knows what's going on as he's there in the lowest point. The, you know, and yelling out to the one below all, you know, the ultimate devil here, where this is where. Brian Banner's persona kind of comes out and it's going back and forth to pretty much having the leader realize, oh, no, I kind of think I messed up. I think I've been duped now. And it's a good dupe where you end up having this whole deal really come crashing down when the one below all merges with Stearns, with the leader. And we'll see, you know, how that is. If this is where you have the leader in control, but it really looks, especially from the word bubble, it's not the case. That the merging here is from the one below all who's merged now with Stearns and merged with all the things he did, almost like waiting on the side for Stearns to do all the work for him to then lead him down there and boom and get him. And he's like, you know, I was, I was so blind, I see. Or it's just full out, you're merging and both of you are just the biggest baddest because even with the dialogue, you kind of get the idea that Stearns is still in there as well. So we'll see. Again, that's something that is 
may be beyond my scope. I will tell you, I'm not exactly the biggest learned man on the whole Hulk deal. I'm also not a good-looking man either, so that's just me. Uh, But we'll have to see how that plays out. But yeah, what you end up with is, oh my God, you really up the ante by then. Then to go off to the Gamma Flight Space Station again to see that Gritch has set up something that's pretty cool. This is the big wow moment by the end. It was spoiled when I said the colors and the art teams and whatnot because he is now hiring the UFOs. He's just going down a list of people that he wants to go to try to get the Hulk. And now he has the UFOs, which is a big deal with the Hulk. And if you don't know, they're a group that ended up trying to replicate the Fantastic Four disaster in quotes to kind of become you know super powered like that and it was interrupted and stopped by bruce banner and so they kind of became his enemies and stuff like that and so that's a pretty cool deal by the end and again this is a series that has a long-running story it's a long-running story that does have tons of nods because it deals with all the past first iterations of the Hulk trying to explain them in the way of having like disassociative disorder and trying to make, you know, amends with some while others are mad while they're separated here, all that stuff going on, but also a lot of things from the past, like the UFOs and things coming into this. And that's a pretty cool setup. Like I said, really upping the ante as we get closer and closer to the end. So overall, I thought it was really, really good. And I'm going to give it an 8.9 and ask ah, it. I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. I really like that last issue. I like this. Again, it's set up, but it's exciting setup with a lot of things going down and pretty much the merging of the leader with the one below all. And then you get the UFOs. You end up seeing Jackie has the gamma. I mean, there's a lot going on for a setup issue. So I really, really enjoyed it. So yeah, 9 out of 10. I hope that Everybody enjoyed listening to the podcast here. And also, I didn't even say the art is, again, there's a lot of different art, but it works because of the different sequences and the different characters you're working with. So I didn't mind that as much as I would usually with that many artists, though I still like Joe Bennett's art the best. But yeah, so, hey, thank you. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed me and Clay and Brandon and me and all this stuff going on. If you did. That's great. Maybe you can give a review or some star ratings wherever you listen to this, but also go over to our Twitter page at the WS Marvel Comics, and we'll follow you if you follow us 100%. Go to our website, weirdsciencemarvelcomics.com. Also, you can check out our Patreon for a, a bunch of things, including me and Brandon talking the Gwenum versus Carnage and the Thunderbolts tie into King and Black over on the Patreon Spotlight, picked by the badass of the Get Fresh crew. Beep Boop. And also, I've started to do more videos at our YouTube channel, both Marvel and DC, but I'm also planning on doing some indie stuff and actually some manga stuff as well over there. But if you like to go check that out, you can just look up Weird Science Comics or look for the link in the show notes if the player that you have allows clickable links. I know some kind of, you know, push them away and stuff like that, but you could see that there. But yeah, again, it's Weird Science Comics. I am tired. I'm going to go off the bed. Thanks, everybody. And I will talk to you soon.